Hello, welcome to MR Explorer. I'm Z Johnson, your host. I am super excited about the topic I'm going to talk about today. Um, if you could tell by the topic title, it's going to be about trackers. One might wonder how on earth someone could get excited about the topic of tracker studies. For those of you who might be unaware of what a tracker study means, if you're new to market research or perhaps um, not necessarily familiar with the world of market research, let me explain what a tracker is. A tracker is typically known in market research as a study that goes out and is the same, has the same questions being asked over time of a very similar audience over time. So typically these have been known to be long studies. Um, there has been a call for trackers being demolished, not necessarily demolished, but remove trackers, replace them with social intelligence or um, immediate feedback moments or short, tiny studies that happen. Things like um, if you've if you've ever seen the Google surveys that at one point at least, they promised that no matter what survey you took, if you were given a survey, it would be seven questions or fewer. Which, interestingly, side note, I took one the other day and it said that it would be 10 questions or fewer. So very interesting that even Google survey has increased the number of questions that it allows. Anyhow, um, trackers have kind of this bad reputation <laughs> at market research. They're kind of known as a necessary evil for companies. I want to try to convince you, my dear audience, that they are not evil, that we can do them differently, that we can do them better, and that they are still necessary. We just need to do a better job of them. So let's talk where trackers, where trackers started, what the original intent of a tracking study was for. My understanding is tracking studies started because companies or organizations wanted to measure a particular sentiment for an audience over time. In the business-to-business -business world, this is extremely common as you're trying to understand how your customers feel about you over time. Generally speaking, you might do this survey once a quarter, twice a year, once a year, just to basically have a pulse on what is happening sentiment towards your company. When I worked at Microsoft, I worked on Microsoft's IT Pro Tracker and Developer Tracker, and that was to measure IT Pro and developer satisfaction with Microsoft and its competitors. When I was working at Ipsos, I helped lead the um, Office 365 tracking study to figure out how people were feeling about Office 365, both in a business setting and also in a personal setting. Um, there are many trackers across the board. Anytime that you walk into, let's say, a, um, a store that you end up getting a survey later, might be a week later, might be a couple months later, hopefully not a full year later, but that's a different topic. Um, you might get questions about what was your experience like? Did you enjoy it? How likely are you to recommend this place? Uh, how likely are you to return to this place? How likely are you to make a purchase from this place? As well as a bunch of other questions to help better understand why you provided the answers that you did to the previous questions. Now, what's happened with trackers is that they have become bloated. And trackers are like 40 minute long, 
ordeals that have so many questions because I think this is because there is a sentiment or this idea that once you get a particular audience to start taking your survey, keep them for as long as you possibly can, which I think is a terrible sentiment to have or a terrible attitude to have because we as market researchers know that by about the 12th minute of a study, your data, the likelihood that your data is still valid drops. The likelihood that someone is paying acute attention to your study and really thinking about every answer that they're providing you drops after about 12 minutes was the latest thing that I had seen uh, measure of when that attention drops significantly and your data credibility starts to drop as well. So here we are doing 40 minute studies, trying to ask all sorts of questions, knowing in the back of our minds that really the, the first maybe 10, 15 minutes total is going to be absolutely valid data that we can actually trust and make decisions on. Uh, there was a particular client who uh, knew this, wanted to add more questions to the study that they were doing to a tracker, and actually had a question that they wanted to add at the very end of the tracker. And the pushback was, well, if you put it at the very end, you know it's already long, you know that the data isn't going to be necessarily as reliable as you would like it to be, especially if you're gonna be making a business decision off of this data. Kid you not, the response from the client was, then move it farther up in the study when people are still paying attention. People, this is not a way to conduct any study, let alone a tracker that you are trying to use to help measure time or trends over time. However, I will say it is extremely easy to fall into the hole of wanting to add questions to trackers. When I was working at Microsoft, working on B2B research, which is business to business research, it was very difficult and it still is difficult to find a tech audience to take a survey. I mean, by nature, developers, I think, and IT pros are not necessarily too keen on taking surveys. <laughs> they have many other things on their plate to do. And so it was, it was understandable when stakeholders wanted to add more questions into a study because, well, we got them. They're taking a study right now. Why don't we just keep asking questions? Let's ask them everything that we possibly can while we still have them. Um, it's also easy to bloat the studies, even from a research standpoint, knowing that shorter is better, because as researchers, we want to be sure that we have all the necessary data possible to dig in deep and figure out what really is driving behavior. I found myself doing this. In fact, just today, I was hearing about a company that had chosen a particular metric that they were going to use to measure the health of their um, customers. And I immediately thought, oh, but what about all the other metrics that drive that metric? <laughs> and here's the problem with that line of thinking. You can continue down that rabbit hole as long as you possibly want and never be satisfied that you have all of the data to be able to do the full analysis to understand what is driving the full behavior. So you can have your main driver, you can have your sub drivers, you have sub sub drivers, you have sub 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 drivers, and you will never get to the very bottom, which is why I think you should keep it to the top. But let's hold that for a moment.
So if we have a tool, a research tool, and that is meant to help us track some kind of trend over time, we know that it's easy to bloat this tool and make it so that, yes, you're tracking that trend over time, but perhaps the rest of the information that is being captured is not as reliable. What can we do to make sure that trackers are still valid, one, and to make sure that trackers remain relevant, two? Be back in a moment with, both, with an answer that I think fits for both of those things. Welcome back to MR Explorer. Let's talk about how to save the tracker. <laughs> I feel like there should be posters that say, save the tracker. All right, that's getting a little silly. How do we save trackers though? In an age and era where there are so many options for capturing data, collecting data, analyzing data to tell us trends over time, what is the need of a tracker after all? Well, I think there are certain things that you can track over time using um, our friend big data, using social data. But I think what we're looking for in a tracker is not necessarily the thing that is being measured using those other means. Big data, for example, generally speaking, is going to be tracking behavior over time. Agreed. Absolutely necessary and absolutely valuable to track behavior over time. Social data will track perhaps sentiment over time. But I think we can agree that if you're looking at social data, sentiment is driven by a number of different factors, including media presence, including what, um, what other people are saying about the brand, uh, episodes in time. If you have ever looked at social media trends over time, you will see that when there are, when someone is dominating or when a topic is dominating the news, then you see social media spike, you see sentiment either go up or go down significantly, and then you see it kind of flatten back out. So not necessarily something that you can use to track consistently over time. So here come trackers. Trackers can help to measure attitude over time. Attitude can be paired with that behavior data, can be paired with the social data to help get a more robust view of what is happening in our customers' lives when it comes to their feelings towards our companies. Now, how then should we create those trackers? Well, let's step back a moment and let's go to a little bit of Market Research 101. Let's go back to basics. First, remember to keep it simple. Use the KISS principle, which I like to interpret as keep it simple, silly. But there are many, many variations on that theme. The primary consistency being keep it simple. By keep it simple, let's choose one thing that is going to be measured. But let's not just choose that one thing at random. We don't need to have a bunch of people sitting around a table, sitting in a committee, trying to figure out, fighting each other for what metric is the metric that we should be measuring. We live in a day and age and we are researchers. We can do better than that. We should choose the metric that moves the needle we want to move. I'm going to suggest that if there is a need to move 
social sentiment towards your brand, choose the measure that seems to be most, or that is most highly correlated with that social sentiment movement. If the needle you are trying to move as a company is an increase in market share, find the measure that is most directly correlated with moving the market share needle. Now, if you don't have the data or you don't automatically know what that is, get the data, take some time, do a study to figure out what measures are driving the needle that you want to drive. This is going back to basics. This is what you do for every study or should be doing for every study. You look at what the business question is, and then from there, you choose the methodology that is going to work best. For this, you're going to be choosing a measure, and that measure should be selected based on data, based on data collected that shows that it's correlated with the needle that the company wants to drive. It's as easy as that. It really doesn't need to be more complicated than that. Now, it is very easy to then go and say, well, but we have these five different measures that have one of which has extremely high correlation with the needle we want to move. These other four start to drop off a little bit, but they're still correlated. My challenge to that is to keep it to a single measure. Why? Because we've already discussed that people don't want to take hours taking surveys. People don't want to take 40 minutes out of their life taking a survey. I would argue that even the 10-minute survey, if it's not engaging, is going to be a struggle to get people to take it. And I say that because I have been noticing in myself my own tendency when I'm taking surveys online, I notice that my personal attention seems to drop around that five-minute mark. I was shocked the other day. I was taking a study online. I'm going through, I'm answering the questions and I'm thinking, oh, we must have hit 10 minutes already. I'm like, done. When is the survey going to be over? And no, it was about five minutes in. And I just thought, oh my goodness, if this is me, a a researcher by trade, a researcher by career, and I am getting tired of taking the survey five minutes in, what are we doing thinking that our own audiences are going to be spending anything upwards of 30, 40, 50 minutes taking a survey. Yes, 50-minute surveys exist. No, they should not. (laughs) That, again, is a different topic. So we choose one thing to measure. That one thing should be tied to the needle that we are trying to move as a company. These trackers are, generally speaking, company-level trackers. So it should be high company level stuff. By doing this, you cut the time for the tracker. Your tracker is likely more effective because you are getting better data over time. And you might even be able to field this study more often as a result because you're not having to worry about the fact that people are burnt out, that you are unable to really get credible data after a minute such and such, you can go and find smaller groups to take that study over time. And in some cases, I have seen that there is an always-on study 
that is used and it's short, it's sweet, and it, you don't end up with respondent fatigue, you don't end up with, um, with issues and even finding people to take your study. Now, I will caveat that by saying I still think it's difficult to find B2B, but I think we would have more luck and more success, because I don't think it's necessarily luck, I think we would have more success in getting a B2B audience to take a study if it was about five minutes long. And let's face it, one measure should not take more than five minutes to measure in a survey. Combine that with your behavioral data, combine that with some social data, combine that with a myriad of other studies that are being used, using consistency, using systematic research to, to get other variables that you can tie in, and voila, you have a tracker that is serving a very dedicated purpose that is, that is not bloated, that is providing value, and can be plugged in with a myriad of other data streams in order to tell a story about your customers. So that's my case for trackers. I am very curious to know what you think about trackers and whether you think they can be saved and whether you think they still provide value to companies you might completely disagree with everything I've said. That is completely fine. I would love to hear your viewpoint. You can find me on Twitter at Z-O-N-T-Z-I-R-Y. That's my full first name, at Theory. You can also find me on LinkedIn if you look for Z Johnson. I look forward to recording another episode in the future and hopefully hearing from you in the meantime. Just for fun, I'm including this little outtake from me testing the audio quality of the device on which I'm recording. Enjoy! Testing, testing, testing without microphones, testing, testing, testing without headphones.